0: So good to see you here this morning, and we mean that sincerely. It's great to see each and every one of you. Um, the guy that came out and uh, led us in communion, Pastor Mike Tapper, uh, that's Mike, our New Connections pastor, and uh, we'll hold, hold your plug. I'll give you a second here, give me a second. I hope, that was Mike that preached last week, and I hope you did not miss last week's sermon, but if you did miss it, you need to watch it online, because... We were eating truth on a stick from Mike Tapper last week. Now you can applaud. That was good. I used to do his job years ago. And I, so I'm one who can actually say I think he's doing a better job as the, in the connections area than we have ever done before as a church. And uh, thankful for that boy and his family. And then also, uh, to continue with that theme for a moment... Uh, I just I just got to tell you how excited I am about our, our youth ministry and uh, Pastor Drew Dunnefin and the programs and the activities they're putting together. Yeah, yeah, it's look well, we we prayed that boy in here from New Zealand and uh, he is running wild on youth ministry and it's awesome. And I see some of the things that they're that they're doing, some of the stuff that's coming up, except for the all nighter. I see some of the stuff that's coming up and think. Man, I want to go to that, but I know if I did, my daughter wouldn't go. So, so I won't. I won't go. Um, but if you know any teens in the city, uh, encourage them to to check it out again. The Moncton Western Youth Ministry, uh, it's back. We're back, and I think it's going to be better than ever as well. And so, I just I just need to share my excitement about those things. And uh, so, not apologizing for that. I'm pumped. Um, also, uh, if you've been here. Um, for the last couple of two or three months or so, whatever, it's just been it's just been awesome. The number of baptisms and salvations we've been seeing as a church that's been that has been something else. Um, really, like we can't take that for granted. And uh, you know, there are churches that can't remember the last time they had a baptism. And uh, right, and, and it's just not normal to see people coming to Christ. Almost on a weekly basis, and uh, so we just we just want to need to be thankful for that. Also, want to say that you are awesome. Just go ahead and say that out loud. I'm awesome. It just feels I I am so awesome. I just real I am really really awesome, and you're inviting and uh, you're catching the vision of this church, and the core values are not just colorful. uh, pillars in the in the lobby, but they're they're actual, they're real, they're getting traction, they're shaping the culture around here, and so you're getting with the program, and you're just you're just awesome. Um, so we have a lot of new believers here at Moncton Weston, which is which is really exciting. Yeah, give them a hand. Really exciting. There's a lot of them. And then we also know, because I've been talking to some of these folks, we also, I also know that we've we got a few of the toes on the edge of a chilly pool kind of people. And they're close. They're, they're, they, they're, they haven't quite crossed that line of faith. They haven't quite, you know, accepted Christ as their Savior. They're, but they're like, not today. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know kind of like me standing on the wharf looking at the Bay of Fundy. You ever jumped into the Bay of Fundy? You only do that once, really. Normal people will only do that once, and uh, it's just kind of like, hi, yeah, 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 yeah. Anyhow, we got some of those folks. We're glad that, that you're here as well, and maybe today will be the day when uh, when you'll when you'll jump. And you'll say, "Okay, I'm going in. We're gonna we're going we're gonna go for this." Um, a couple of things quickly I want to recommend for new believers. Um, Get a Bible, and if you need help uh, finding a Bible, uh, just go out to the, the table, the desk, the Welcome Center area, and say, um, PT told me I could have a Bible, and they'll give you one. Uh, if they run out, that's okay. They'll take your information, and they'll make sure that the, you know, we, we reload and we get you one. Um, I'd also recommend that you go to Alpha. We have an Alpha course that started here this morning at 9.15. Uh, you saw in video announcements uh, another an evening Alpha that's coming up November 4th strongly 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 recommend that you get in the alpha course it's it's really a great way to to understand um christianity and uh, i'd also recommend that you get baptized and uh, if you would like to know more about that then uh, take one of those connect cards and and let us know your information we'll follow up we'll get in touch we'd love to talk to you about baptism, and then the other thing that I would recommend is that you you, you find a, a friend, a Christ follower, a believer who's a little bit ahead of you maybe, someone that you can talk to, pray with, you know, ask questions and, and all that sort of thing. Get someone around you who's also following Christ and uh, do that journey together. A few years ago, I was traveling to Anderson, South Carolina. Anderson, South Carolina is a town about the size of Sussex, and it has a church there, Um, The the church in Anderson proper probably runs around 15,000 people in a town about the size of Sussex. It's like a a little farm community. And then they've got churches throughout South Carolina, and I think they're averaging like, I don't know, 40,000 people now, total in the whole state. And so I was driving down to New Spring Church with another pastor friend of mine. We'd been on the road all day. And uh, we, we, late at night in Virginia somewhere, thought, well, let's, let's get off the road and pull into a hotel. And we just picked one and pulled in and walked up to the, the counter of the, the hotel. And this, here's this guy, and he's just, everything about him is saying, you know, I just don't want to be here. And we, so we said, hey, man, how you doing? He says, oh, you know, man, just living the dream. And, and the sarcasm of that was just because everything about him was like, just shoot me now. Like, this is, this is not where I want to be, and the only reason why I'm greeting you turkeys and half-smiling is because there are security cameras everywhere. And so, you know, welcome. You know, it's just living the dream, man, just living the dream. Living the dream is usually a sarcastic way of saying, I am definitely not living the dream right now. That's usually what people mean by that. It, it, you know, this is not my dream job or I'm not with my dream person or I don't have dream amounts of money. And, and you know, maybe I had dreams at one point in my life or I had visions of where I thought my life would, would go someday. How it would all roll out. But right now, in this moment, I am definitely not living those dreams. Um, as a child, you probably dreamt about uh, who you'd become, what you would do uh, someday with your life when you grew up. And uh, maybe you even acted it out. You know, I'm going to be a teacher, or I'm going to be a, a nurse, or a doctor, or, or a firefighter. Um, and it made me wonder, is there anyone here this morning who, um, whatever it was that, that you dreamt about being as a child, that came to be true in your life? You actually, that's the career that you that you pursued. Your childhood dream came true. Are there any, any hands? I had a bunch in the first service. I was really surprised, and, and a bunch here as well. That's, that's cool. I'd, I'd, be, I'd be one of those as well. Um, and, and really, I can remember dreaming about being anything but a sea captain. From Graham and Ann, my father was a sea captain, and I spent enough days out in that ocean to know this is, this is not what I want to do. Uh, and really, from the earliest age that I can remember, I knew I was called to be a pastor, um, from just just whatever, however far back it goes. I, there was nothing else. Um, from time to time, I would, as a boy, you know, Canadian boy growing up, I would dream of being an NHL hockey player, and that's that's pretty normal. Um, I think if I wanted to play for Toronto, I could probably keep that dream alive. <laughs> you know, all right. Yeah. Hey. Um. Hey. <laughs> So sad. Okay, moving right. I'm trying to move along, but it's just like, wow. Okay, is it possible to really be living the dream without winning the lotto? Is it possible? What does it mean to be living the dream for real? And we're in the book of Philippians, and we're looking at the writings of the apostle Paul, uh, and he's writing this letter, Philippians, from a prison cell in Rome, And uh, he's sending the letter back to a group of believers in a city called Philippi. And he established that church. He led them to Christ. And so he's writing back to to encourage them. But I'm guessing that when Paul was a little boy, that he didn't dream about uh, one day being incarcerated in a Roman jail cell i 'm guessing that, that that Paul, as a child, wasn 't thinking you know if, if it all goes well and if I really pursue my dreams, uh, maybe one day the Romans will drag me away you know maybe i 'll get a really nice set of shackles if i 'm lucky like maybe maybe i 'll get like a ball and chain and, and maybe it 'll be cold and damp and, and i 'll be hungry and and really treated poorly and you know woohoo! you know that 's probably not paul 's childhood dream. But despite his situation, he doesn't just flip off sarcastically. He actually tells us how to live the dream in whatever reality life gives you. So here's, here's uh, uh, this I think sums it up, what, what Paul is teaching us. And what he's saying is that living the dream is, is not a situation. It's not... Your current set of circumstances is not where you find yourself right now. Living the dream is way more than that. Living the dream is not a situation. It's, it's a someone, and we should capitalize that, that someone, because that someone is Jesus. Paul says it's, it's not, um, you know, whatever cards life deals you, wherever you find yourself. Living the dream is not about your current situation. Living the dream is about a someone. It's not where I find my life right now. But who I find my life in? Back that up. It's not where I find my life right now, because that's what we we, we we fall into that really, really easily. Oh man, this is not where I want to be. It's not. It's not where I find my life right now. It's who I find my life in. It's not conditional upon your current set of circumstances. It's relational. Based on, on you inviting Jesus Christ to be in you and with you, consuming every area of your life, so that no matter what happens or where you find yourself, you can stay positive and you can rejoice because you know that God is for you and He's not against you. That's what it's about. So there's four weeks in the series, there's four chapters in the book of Philippians, how convenient. And uh, so this week, we're in Philippians chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 12 through 18. Philippians two twelve to 18. Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you, and now that I am away, it's even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Do everything without complaining and arguing, so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Hold firmly to the word of life. Then on the day of Christ's return, I'll be proud that I did not run the race in vain, that my work was not useless. But I will rejoice even if I lose my life. Paul says, even even if they... They take my life. I'll still, I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share that joy. Yes, you should rejoice and I will share your joy. So this is what Paul was saying to his friends in Philippi. And this is what the text is saying to us this morning. I want you to I hope you can can catch this, that the crazier the world gets, and it's crazy, the crazier that this big ball of dirt gets, the crazier the world gets, the more Christ-like you and I need to live. The crazier the world gets, the more like Christ you and I need to live. Because you can't fight crazy with crazy. You, you don't win crazy over to Christ by, by being sort of crazy or, uh, or a little crazy or, you know, let's cozy up to the craziness or let's get just crazy on the weekends, you know, and post it on Facebook for everybody to see. The crazier the world gets, the more like Christ we need to be. When you see the world getting out of control, you get into Christ. When the world is getting more and more out of control, something inside you should 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 want to dig deeper and get more and more and more into Christ. You don't have to march against the craziness. You don't have to petition the craziness. You don't have to run and hide and pretend that the craziness isn't there either. And Paul gives us suggestions throughout the, this little book of Philippians as to how we can live in the world and and at the same time be different in a way that, that actually helps others to see Jesus. And the text that we read this morning is just simply loaded. Okay, back to back to verse 12. And and what I want to look at is the second part of verse, verse 12, where Paul says this, he says, work hard to show the results of your salvation. And, and I just want us to, to, to draw work hard here for a second, because I want you to read that the right way. I don't want you to get, get messed up on that. Be careful how you read that. This doesn't mean that you need to, to work in order to earn your salvation. That's not what Paul is saying. Paul is talking about, about diligence. He's te- talking about exercising your faith, about putting some effort into, into your faith, about, about disciplines, because Paul knows, and you know, we all know, that you, you won't just automatically drift closer to Jesus Christ. If you make a decision for Jesus today and never do anything with that, you're not going to find, wow, I just, I, just, I just find I'm getting closer to God all the time. This is, this is amazing. If you do nothing with that, that's not going to happen. Um, if, if, it's, it's like uh, two people standing on a, a marriage altar and, and confessing their vows each to the other and saying, I do and he does too. And, and off they go. <clears throat> I've actually had one couple do that. I do. He does too. We're out of here. And he never spoke for himself again. (laughs) That's a different sermon. Um, It's like a couple standing here, taking their vows, and then they they leave that ceremony and never work on that relationship. Do you think they'll just naturally grow closer to each other? No. That's a joke. They'll, they'll drift further and further away. And if, and if you don't work at your salvation, if you just let that thing drift, you will drift, uh, the culture, the current of culture will snatch you up and you'll just drift right over the falls. So how do we work hard to show the results of our salvation? What does that, what does that mean? Well, the first thing we can begin with is do the things that you know you should do. What if we just? What if we, as a group, just decided we're gonna we're gonna do the we're gonna do the things that we know that we should do? See, we don't. We're already educated beyond our obedience. It's not like you need me to to, to give you more and more and more and more and more things to do because we already don't do the things that we know that we should do. You okay? You're perfect. So what if we just started there and, and we said, "Well, I'm gonna do the things that I know." I should do. And, and how about this one? Avoid the things that you know you should avoid. And, and, and work at that. Um, maybe you don't feel like helping your neighbor. Help them anyway. Maybe you'd rather have a rotten attitude. Be cheerful anyway. Oh, I don't feel like it. Who cares? Be cheerful anyway. Maybe you don't feel like giving or 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 serving um, again, watching video announcements. And Pastor Jay was on there talking about a tractor trailer load of Christmas stuff is going to pull up to the church here on November 9th, and he's looking for for volunteers to serve in that capacity. You can help get. That stuff out and around the church and all that sort of sort of thing. You can be a part of Christmas. You can be a part of the production. When when people come to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior in those Christmas uh, services that we're going to be doing here, you can be a part of that. And as I watched the video announcement, I thought, "Man, Lord, help us!" Like people should be ripping out those cards right now, saying, "Sign me up! I will be here on November 9th I can do that." Maybe you don't feel like it. Who cares? Do it anyway. Giving, serving, taking the time to be in God's presence. Do it anyways. Christianity, now catch this carefully. Christianity is not a work-based faith. It is grace-based. It means it's not about what you've done or what you can do. It's all about what Jesus Christ did for you on a cross. Grace is free, but it is not cheap. It cost Jesus his life. And all you have to do is accept God's free offer of grace, that it's here this morning. All you need to do is accept it, receive it. Um, you, You cannot earn it. And when you accept God's offer of grace... You enter into a relationship with him. And from that day forward, from the time that you cross that line of faith and say, I'm in, I'm all in, Uh, here's my life, come into my life, and I will serve you, and I will follow you, and I will live for you, uh, Jesus Christ, for the rest of my life, from that day forward, you submit your your will, your spirit to God's spirit. You just surrender, just say, okay, God. Whatever you want to do in my life, I'm listening, I'll follow, I'll go, I'll, I'll do whatever you want to do. So working hard on your salvation isn't earning it, it's exercising it. And there's a big, there's a big difference uh, between those two things. So what are, what are the, the, the results of your salvation that, that Paul's talking about? So if I do work hard, and uh, even when I don't feel like it, if I do work hard at this, What are the results? What are the kinds of things that are going to come out of my life? Well, stuff like like joy. Did you know that followers of Jesus Christ are supposed to have the joy of the Lord inside? Don't forget to tell your face. Joy. Love. Peace. Gentleness. Patience. Wow, I'm not a very patient person. Get over it. You you can become more patient when you invite God's spirit to help you with that. Self-control, all of these things. This is the produce that God wants to produce in your life. And some of these things take effort they 're hard you know you 've got to work at it they don 't always come natural and it 's a battle some days between between your new self and who you are in Jesus and your old you and it's, sometimes there 's a tension there and it 's a battle you 're like well i don 't feel like it and I want to, I want to go back don 't go back and there 's this tension between your old self and your new nature, and Paul encourages us to keep working at it don 't let up don 't give up, let the spirit of God keep keep working and turning and churning the soil of your soul so that people will see the difference that salvation is making in your life. Do we believe that Jesus makes a difference? We believe that. People should be able to see it. They should be able to tell and see the difference that that, that Christ is making in our lives. Okay, verse 13. Paul says, For God is working in you. That's black coffee, in case anyone's wondering. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. What an awesome verse. You're not on your own. You don't have to do this on your own. How long would you last on your own? You wouldn't last five minutes on your own, anyhow. Good thing God is with us. Good thing God is, is, is working in us. And, and he, he gives us two things. He gives us the desire. And you say, well, I don't feel like it. Well, pray that God will help you feel like it. That God, that God will work in you and give you the desire. And he not only gives you the desire, but he gives you the, the power. Think about this now. Think. This is mind-blowing. You get the power of the creator himself. The one who breathed this whole deal into being. The one who raised Jesus from the dead. The one who controls the wind and the waves with the sound of his voice. You get the power of the living God inside you, working in you, helping you, giving you the desire to do what is right. So think about that. The next time that you come up against something really difficult, like a like a really difficult temptation. You're like, oh. Baby, oh man, mercy. Think about that. Hey, 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 I'm not on my own on this. I've got the power of the living God living inside of me. Get out of my way, temptation. The next time, yeah, that's good. The next time you're thinking, I am gonna blow a gasket. Did you know? Did you know that you don't have to blow a gasket? Did you know? That anger doesn't have to win. Did you know that you have the power? You're not on your own on this. You've got the power of the living God living inside of you. As you work out your salvation, God is working in you. As you work it out, God is working in you. Well, Pastor, I just couldn't help myself. I just couldn't couldn't stop myself. Maybe you couldn't, but God can. Maybe that's the problem. You're trying on your own to win these battles and not realizing or not remembering or not um, accessing this, this power that is that is inside of you. Is he in you or not? If he's in you, if we believe what we believe, if you believe that verse from Philippians, if he's in you, if we believe that, then the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. We're unstoppable. We're unstoppable. Nothing nothing can hold you back. Verse 14. Do everything without complaining and arguing. And everything in the original Greek means... Let me get this thing to work. Here, warm up, baby. Come on. Everything in the original Greek means... Everything. That's, that's an amazing verse right there. Do everything without complaining and arguing. Two things that, that Paul says we should never do. He says do everything without arguing and complaining. Two things that we should never do happen to be two things that the world just thinks is true about churches everywhere. People often see churches as places where people go to argue and complain, and 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 unfortunately, too many people have experienced that. They've gone to church, and what they've seen is a group of you know kind of kind of not nice, angry kind of kind of complainers. Kind of you know they're bickering and they're yakking in the lobby and they're rah 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 rah, and, and that's what they see. And, and Paul says, whoa 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 whoa. Paul says followers of Jesus should do everything without, without arguing and complaining. So say on, on, on this side of the TV screen, say over here, we make a list of of all the things. This is, this is who you used to be. We'll make a list here. This is who you used to be before Jesus. This is what you were like before Christ. We make a list of all this. All this stuff, right? And you can imagine what would be on, on the list. It's, it's not a pretty list. And over here on this side, over here, we make a list of of this is your life after Jesus. This is who you are. This is the change. This is the new you. This is you after you've got God's power working in, inside of you. And you're, you're, you're following his spirit. This is you over here. This is the old you over here. This is the new you over here. Okay, which side should uh, uh, arguing and complaining be on? It's not a trick question. Don't argue about it. Over here, would you say that arguing and complaining goes with the old you? Would you say that the new you, who is filled with God's Spirit, the new you, who, who is really, um, you know, living to follow Jesus Christ with every area of your life, would, would this side be arguing and complaining? No. No. What if there were a group of people, let just imagine, what if there were a group of people who never argued or complained? Imagine that. What if it was this group? What if it was this group that never argued or complained? Ever. Would that be an attractive group of people? <laughs> you bet it would 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 that group stand out from the normal flow of culture would it make people wonder what in the world has happened to them how could they live like that verse 15 paul says so that no one so that no one can criticize you in other words there is a way to live that is so counter It's so different. It's it's so real to the way that God created us to be that it actually takes away all the reasons that someone might have to criticize you. There's there's a way to live that removes all of that stuff. So we could be a a body of believers. Moncton Wesleyan Church. We could live in such a way that when, when people, when they just feel like saying something nasty about us, when they just feel like they need to point their finger at us or go on Facebook, which is what they usually do, and say something about us. They'd, think, they'd say, well, well, you know, you know those Wesleyans, they... Well, I'll tell you something I know about the... And they'd have nothing. There'd be, there'd be nothing to criticize us about. What they'd have to say about the Wesleyan Church in Moncton is that, you know what, that that church on St. George Boulevard, they love everyone. They love everyone. They're serving our city. They serve the poor. They feed the hungry. They care for the widows and the shut-ins. They give a ton of their money away to missions and organizations that are serving here in Moncton and around the world. They are bold, flexible, loving, giving, sharing, worshiping, praying, forgiving, genuine, spiritual, deep, wide, funny, casual, coffee, drinking, followers of Jesus Christ. That's who they are. That's who they are. Verse 15, second part of verse 15, and i got to move fast now. Uh, Paul says, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Paul borrows an illustration that Jesus used in his Sermon on the Mount. It's an illustration of stark contrast. And, And the illustration tells us that God is quite aware of how messed up his planet really is. God, God's not surprised by the darkness. God, God knows that, that the world's going to be dark, it's going to be crooked, it's going to be perverse, it's going to be messed up. And he's, he's not so detached and unplugged and out there that he's, he's just completely oblivious to how messed up we really are. But to keep the place from going completely pitch black, he left the lights on. And you are those lights. You are those lights. This is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. You, you and you and you and you, 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 you are the light of the world. You're like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds Shine, shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Uh, one of the reasons you need to be in church weekly is because it's, it's like coming in and getting recharged and getting that light shining brightly again. It's, it's you're plugging into Jesus, the the power source, and in corporate worship, and and fellowship and serving and giving and hearing God's word, being in the presence of Jesus. Is just kind of, One of the reasons why we want you here, frankly, is because is it, it amps up your, your wattage and just kind of cranks, cranks you back up. Anybody ever found their light getting dim during the week? You ever found by Wednesday, Thursday, Monday morning, you're like, oh. Right? I mean, you were burning bright for a couple of hours and then boom. You know, life hits you. And, and it's true. Like, everything... Everything you come up against, it's all trying to turn your light down. It's like, yeah, you know, turn that down, turn that down. The world wants to live in darkness. And, and everything's working to, 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 to blow you out and to turn down your, your luminosity. And Paul encourages this young fledgling, fledgling church in Philippi, and really us this morning, the word is alive. Uh, Paul encourages us to not be discouraged. Don't be overwhelmed by the darkness, the crookedness, the perverseness. We're outnumbered 20 to 1. Okay, we're outnumbered 100 to 1. Okay, don't focus on that. Paul says the very creator of light, who was the first one to ever speak light into the darkness. The one who promised his people that he would go before them like a, like a light, like a, like a fire, um, a beacon in the darkness. The one who said that his word would be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path showing us where to to go the one who sent his son jesus christ into this dark world to literally be the light of the world and then jesus commissions us his church to shine brightly like a city on a hill and he says that if, if you know the creator and if you follow jesus christ and if you have the spirit of god living inside you you will burn bright you cannot be hidden and wherever you go. Wherever you go, whatever darkness you step into, you are, you are God's light for that darkness. You are meant to shine, not wine. You are meant to glow, to beam, to illuminate a glorious, redeemed, fired up, spirit-filled, joy-spilling, grace-giving beam of luminosity for Jesus. That's who you are. That's who you are. You're a light. You're a light. You need to shine bright. Shine bright in the darkness. The darkness needs us. God left the lights on, and it's you. It's you. Get out there and be the light. Paul's words are just as true for us today. This is how we stick together as a church. This is how we hold back the darkness. This is how we go out into the world. This is how we hold on to the truth Truth of God's word. This is how the world will know that we're a good kind of different. This is how we show people the goodness of God, the glory of God. This is how people are drawn to the light, and they'll want to come and see the source of this light. Now, uh, band, if you're listening, you can you can come up. Um, they're always listening. Hello, band. Wakey-wakey back there. Um. There they come. There they come. Yeah, they're all right. They're good. They're good. I want to tell you how um, I believe in you. I want you to know that. I believe in, in each one of you. And I believe that you want to shine bright for Jesus. I don't think there's anyone here who thinks, well, I'd be okay with a little flicker now and then and, and uh, you know, not too bright. I think, I think you want to burn bright. I think you want your life, your life to be a beacon I think you want this church to blaze so that people from miles around can see that Jesus is the light of the world. I think you want this church to to, to shine brighter. And I believe in you. I believe in you from the youngest to the oldest, from the newest believer to the one who's been following Jesus the longest. And, And I believe, church, I believe that we can shine brighter than we've been shining. I don't, I don't think we've reached our maximum wattage for Christ. We've we've shone bright, and we've been shining for a lot of years. But I think we can shine brighter. How do we do that? Well, this is the time right now when we all need to look at our flame, the brightness of our lives for Jesus, not someone else's. Not you know how how bright is the the pastor burning these days and and all that? You, in in your life, how's your fire doing? How brightly have you been burning for Jesus? How are you affecting the darkness around you? Do people in your circle see Jesus burning brightly? Maybe uh, you need to plug into the source this morning and get... Recharged, And quite frankly, and, and I mean this in all sincerity and, and, and love as your pastor, um, there might be several here this morning who just need to fall at the feet of Jesus and say, pour gas on my fire. And, and maybe you realize that that you just you just haven't been burning barely, hardly at all. And you're like, I'm done with that. And I want to leave here like a blowtorch. And I, I want to burn bright for the world to see. It'd be awesome if that's what God did for you this morning. Maybe we need to repent of being too content. And so I'm going to pray. And the band's going to lead us in a great song. And I invite you to come and uh, kneel here at the front of the church. If, if it's your desire to burn brighter, if it's your desire for this church to burn brighter, if it's your desire for people from miles around to come to know Jesus Christ and let him be the light of uh, in their lives, so let's pray together. Lord, I thank you. Thank you, God, for your word this morning, and how you have spoken to us. And now, God, I pray that you'd help us to respond with full surrender, hearts of full surrender. And Lord, if we need you to pour gas on our fire, if we need to be filled with your Holy Spirit, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to uh, to invite that this morning. It's common work in our lives. In the next few moments of the service, we ask in Jesus' name, Amen.